welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I love Randall Worley. I don't know if you know him very much, but he's kind of he's a truth teller too, but he I like how he shot he's a shocker of the religious spirit. I hate the religious spirit. I lived in it for 37 years. I hate it. And getting out of it was similar, I don't know, because I've never taken drugs or drank, but, I, but Lynn can tell me that detoxing's hard. Anybody ever deep? You don't have to raise your hand. Um, I already know who you are. Um, but detoxing's hard. Why? What's the nature of addiction? It's a pseudo-supplement for a need, a hurt, an injury that's unhealed. So all addiction falls in that same thing, and, and sin does too. So here's what he said. Sin is misbehavior due to mistaken identity. Being a believer is not about behavior modification or morality. I know it's going to mess with some of y'all. Because, see, the thing that you have to remember about God, God, that was that taco bowl I had earlier, just coming back to visit. The thing you have to remember about God is that He never wants us to develop a law that's over relationship. And when my behavior has to be... Um, modified because of the law, I'm already out of relationship. And so what he wants to do is he wants love to compel me to come close to know him. And when I know him, I want to please him because he designed me to be a pleaser of God, not a pleaser of people. And when I don't know love, I will look to a person to love me and I'll alter my yes. knowledge of who I am and what I need to get to sell, my, to sell myself to them. And when I sell myself to them, I've already given up everything that, that love from Him gave to me. For I've, I've exchanged it. I've laid it down for the love of this temporary thing from a person. See, if I get love from a person, it has to be a byproduct of the love I've already received. And so this is what he said. What is sin? Don't you love him? I just want to kiss him. This piece of paper. We usually associate sin with finger-pointing judgments and accusations from the morality police. You understand, when you have operated in the religious spirit, and you know if you have in this room, think, I already told you, it's not even you. It's a partnership that you've made in agreement. I believe, number one, we were just taught it. But we can't say that anymore because I haven't been teaching it. I mean, like, how long do you want to just keep using that thing? I've taught you a whole different, agreed that I've taught you a whole different way. Just because you're not good at living a whole different way and you're more comfortable living in the religious spirit doesn't mean that I haven't taught it. Right? So then you, it, would be imper, it would be important for you to discover why you enjoy partnering with the religious spirit than you do with truth. And I, I propose to you it's because you actually have more responsibility to live in love than you do with the religious spirit. The religious spirit means you get to do everything without responsibility. Because it's the monitor. Let me just say it a simple way. When you're driving down the road and you're speeding, you know it. But it only feels bad if you get caught. You don't feel bad because you have justified it by because you're not a good time manager. So you're late. So you got to speed. I love to go early. You know, Mendel and I have this thing. I want, I'm like Tracy and Phil, we like to be like 20 minutes early. That's, but Christy, she don't want to be late, but she likes to be right on time. That's, but see, that's late to me. Yeah. Yeah, right. So obviously if we're going somewhere, we have attention yeah. already because I'm pulling 
Like, I'm always like, okay, let's, like, I, let's buffer it by 30 minutes. Let's buffer the 20 minutes early by another 30. And, and she's like, I don't even know what we're doing here. Like, you just, it's a made-up time then. Right? So, that, that was an example of something. Okay, Romans 3, 23. No, it wasn't? Yeah, that. This, this is still Randall, Randall okay? Romans 3.23 says, says, We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you've been in any evangelism class, that's your first thing. That's the first thing you learned, is to be sure and present that to everyone as if they don't know. Right? We need them to believe how bad they are so they'll know the help we're providing is good. See, God doesn't need you to do that. Okay? That's, that is just satisfying. You know, it's just the phrase. This is just a commercial. I don't have time for this. The phrase falling short of the glory of God. As we know in the Passion Translation, we, we found out that's not even what it meant. But he says it means missing the mark or failure to hit the bullseye. That implies far more than our common understanding of wrongdoing. None of us are going to hit the bullseye all the time. So there, there's a hitch then. If, I, if in my mind the, the definition says I'm perfect. See, I love mess-ups. I love mistakes because it gives me an opportunity to discuss something. When we're trying to hide and avoid things, you never get the discussion that helps open your eyes to another way to live free. You know, we're really afraid of our own desires, the honest truth. We are. We're scared to death. I mean, the religious spirit says freak out about your own desires. We don't even know. We can't even go get a hamburger without feeling guilty. We can't go get an ice cream, whatever. We can't do anything. We can't go to the movie. I mean, I grew up, everything was wrong. I didn't read the Bible enough. Every movie was wrong. Everything was wrong. Everything was wrong. Now, if you didn't grow up that way right now, you should be singing the Hallelujah Chorus because you, I had to get over a mountain and all everyone raised in a religious spirit has that same mountain. Why is that common? That should tell you something about the spirit. Instead of acting like you need to identify with it and keep it, that should tell you, well, that is an actual spirit of the enemy because I never can quite reach love. I can never quite reach acceptance. I am just one action, one Bible verse, one memory verse, one attitude, one relationship short of love, and I'll never get it. And the enemy wants you to be on that perpetual cycle. That's why you never can reach it. So therefore, it means you're bad. And so the number, who's, who's doing the numbering scale anyway? It's the enemy. The number's always low. Or if you feel good, you're in pride. So then you have no place to even exist on the planet. I've either got to be just lower than the cat's bat or everybody thinks, wow, they're so prideful and conceited. He said, we will fall short of God's intended desires for us. Sin is misbehavior due to mistaken identity. Being a believer is not about behavior modification or morality. Sin can be an unwillingness to grow. An obsession with our perceived separation and alienation from God. Our refusal to accept His unconditional love for us. That's where a lot of you are stuck right there. You're, you're, you're obsessed with your perceived separation. And all your thoughts are about it. All your mentoring sessions are about it. Not going to mentor anymore because it's about it. It's all about that. And, and none of that is even about that. Trust me, mentoring at one life has nothing to do with whether you sinned. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so if you have reduced it down to that's what we're going to discuss, you're missing the whole opportunity to grow. And you're in kindergarten. 
because you're so obsessed with your perception that you're alienated from God because of your behavior. I wish you would, y'all don't get, I can tell some of y'all don't get what I'm talking about right now. It's true. You, the, the moment you're more focused on your behavior than you are on his love and grace, you've already lost. And I wish that we wouldn't even play that game around here. I tell the mentors, do not play that game. That is not a, that is a never win game. Because someone's actually partnering with an obsession that's against God. Because he said, I first love you. He said that you are already loved. The girls are, they needed to give me some shaker tonight. They were feeling it. Your first love. So when you're first loved and he went first, all I'm doing is responding to love. And then when I respond to love, we begin a relationship. It's, we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. I hate to tell you this, but you're going to sin until the day you die. It's how you react to how you sin. How long does it take you to recover? Do you spend a lot of time with the religious spirit, contemplating it, going over it? Do you then call in another? You recruit somebody else. Hey, my mentor is supposed to be helping me growing in wisdom and power. Help, let's come over here and talk again about my perceived obsession that I am just no good. I'm a two. Now I'm a two. Have you ever in one day been a two and a ten? What happened on that day? Start out at 10, get down to a 2, start at 2, get... What happens? Nothing is happening in the natural world. Not one thing happened. It all happened right here. Just right here. Something happened. If you were at a 10 and you got to a 2, you just got piled up. You just got piled and piled and piled until you're just like, now you're a 2. You can't see. You're blind. You're deaf. You talk to somebody and you're trying to, you're trying to recruit them. Look, I'm bad. You know, I'm bad. Look how bad I am. And, and you're recruiting them to convince you that your obsession is true. We're just still in the commercial. We're almost done. Remember what he just said that right there is that we have a refusal to accept the unconditional love of God. Unconditional means unconditional. You didn't you cannot experience unconditional love on the planet Earth by a human. I don't care all the promises people make you when you're dating, I will love you forever. It's not possible. We love conditionally. When you treat me well, I love you more. I feel tight. I feel tight with you. If you do all the right behaviors, that's why marriage is so cruddy. Because nobody can be perfect. So if you don't just do it right, and I don't even want to be close to you today. You make me safe or we ain't going to be snugged up. And we have all kinds of reasons for it. I'm just telling you the truth. So it's our re- personal refusal to accept the one thing that God gave to us to start the whole gig. Unconditional love. Can't buy it. Can't sell yourself for it. We would if we could. Can't work for it. A free gift and my ability to receive it and the way I receive it then causes my actions to change outwardly. I can tell how much you know your love by how much you hate on you. I don't hate on me. I'm my biggest fan. I don't need y'all to be my biggest fan. You need to develop that in yourself. He loves me. Whether anybody else loves me or not, he loves me. I know he loves me. I'm not changing my thought about whether he loves me. I refuse to allow the enemy to convince me, the accuser of the brethren, that I'm not loved. And can I tell you, you cannot do your destiny until you do that. Because you you will short-circuit your destiny to get your needs met. 
And see, the cool part is, is that if you will do this, he'll meet all those needs you're just striving to get other people to do. He'll bless you. He'll give you favor. He'll give you abundance. All the stuff you're trying to get will come when you position your heart right because he wants to give you all those desires. I believe, this is what he said, I believe that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin and died for our sin. And as Albert Hubbard said, we know Albert, don't we? You know that's recent because everyone names their child Albert in the last 20 years. We are not punished for our sins, but punished by them. Thank you, Albert. Let's thank Albert. I'm pretty sure he's dead and gone. We are not punished for our sins, but punished by them. Will you decide today you're not going to let some lousy old tiny little thing that has no memory in God's mind to punish you anymore? Why do you want to live under that yoke? You're just yoked up with it. I've sinned. Why are we so scared of sin? The oh, sin! Why are we so scared? Why? It has more power than the living God that lives in you. It has more power to accuse you and cause you to change your behavior. Listen, that we cannot use behavior modification as a standard. You can't. It's not sustainable. There is nothing you can do or refrain from doing that can increase or de decrease his love. Wow. He says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Wow. End of my spoken word. Thank you, Shooty. <laughs> Feel free to continue to use that throughout the rest of the service and days to come. So tonight, I am. I woke up early this morning, and I actually read just a tiny little snippet in a book. I was trying to see if we were going to do next for small group, and we're not. But I did. I like to find a nugget, you know. So I just turned to the back of the book, and I got on chapter eleven. I got my nugget. That, that, I'm done with that book now. It's. This is, and this, this was not what the book said, but this was what the Holy Spirit told me. And I had to have Mendel help me put it into words because I was describing to her what the Holy Spirit had told me, and it was a little conjumbled. And so this is it. You ready? Yes. To the degree to which we have exalted Him above all else in our lives is directly proportional to the authority we'll operate in on the earth. Yes. So let me say it again. To the degree to which we have exalted Him above all else in our lives. You, right now, have to think about things that are exalted above Him. Yeah. I propose, because the Holy Spirit had me start with this Randall Worley thing, I propose I said some of it for some of y'all. That is exalted. Now see, I want to be... I want... I want more than anything in my life just to be a good steward of His presence. That means that, that when I hear something or see something, I may not be able to explain it. I can just see that it's outside His presence. I can see He won't breathe on that. It might be a piece of clothing you wear. It might be an attitude you have. It might be a relationship you have. It might be a mindset you have. It might be a pair of shoes. It might be a desire. It might be a want. It might be... But when I can see that the Holy Spirit will never breathe on that, either the motive is off, the attitude's off, you're just off, and you're, something's off, and so His presence won't breathe on it, I have to say it. Yeah, thank you. And see, whenever I say it, it's my, I talked about it on Sunday, it's, it's your response. Yeah. Yeah. See, the Holy Spirit lives inside you, and I assure you, every single thing that finally gets to me, He said a hundred times to you. I am not first on the list. And so why is he saying it? I needed a shaker on that one, didn't I? Why is he saying it? Why is he saying it? 
because it stands in the way of him distributing his glory through you. And what is his desire? His desire is that the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of how you knew him. So if there's something in the way, then that trumps the knowledge of how I know him. And see, I, I propose to you that the more I look on him and the more I know him and the more I desire him, I propose to you as I exalt him in my life, as I, and see, I do, there's lots of ways to do it. My, my favorite growth process is when things are crappy, I just start thinking him. I thank you, Papa, out loud. Yeah. Thank you, Papa. If you ever hear me all of a sudden, I just start saying, thank you, Papa, you're just amazing. You're, just, you're doing such a good job. It's probably because a thought or a feeling just ran through my entire being that was like, freak out. But I've just learned that is my moment to praise. That is my moment to exalt. That is my moment. Now, it doesn't mean all the moments I praise, I'm having a freak out moment. But I'm saying throughout my daily life, I want to manage his presence to where I know that there's nothing in the way of him speaking to me. And as I look on him and as I think about him and I think about him in people's lives and I think about him in situations and I think about him and how he wants to be good to somebody, then that begins to expand my ability to see him interacting in things in life more than my fear says he won't interact. See, God, God is just looking for people to let him do some impossible things as opposed to just speaking about the things that are. Anybody can do that. You know, when I was listening to Banning, I, it dawned on me, just like how I always say it's not a thing that you can hear God's voice. It's a thing whether you can obey it in time, in a timely fashion. But it's the same way with vision. It's not a thing to have vision. I have vision. You know, y'all don't understand this, but but watching what they, the worship team does is a vision that I've had before they were born. Maybe not Mendel, but before they were born. Think about that. Before Shooty came to the planet, before Aaron came to the planet, before Breezy came to the planet, I don't know, Moo came to the planet, God gave me a vision of what worship should look like. And I've been to lots of worship services. I've participated in lots of worship teams. But see, the thing that burned in my heart is that there would be a day where there would be a people who would hear the heart of the vision from the Father and they would run with it and they would alter everything about them to carry it. I can tell you that Shooty never thought she'd be the piano player. I hung out with somebody for 13 years who warred between whether they were the piano player or whether they weren't the, weren't the piano player. Until they finally laid down the entire destiny. Because they could not see themselves in the placement in the body that God had put them. Simply put. And so whenever I hear Shooty say, you know, well, I'm, this, I'm not this or I'm not that, I have to get that. Because, see, that's, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but right now in Edmond, there's a worm infestation going on. And what is the rate? So every female of these little worms lays a thousand eggs, and they will eat... They will eat a two-acre field in two days, and it is rampant throughout Edmond. Like you just walk down the sidewalk, and just every step, you step on a hundred. And see, that's, this is the way the enemy works. This is, I, when I was walking down the street, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so prophetic right here. They are clueless. Some of them are going this way. Some of them are going this way. Some of them are going this way. They're just inching their way just fast. It's, I mean, they're moving fast. They're not even all going the same way. Wait for it. See, that's how the enemy works. That's what's going on in the country. People aren't even going the same way. 
You know, I listened to this little snippet the other day, and so there's a guy who's now decided to be a woman, and he's a sex offender. So he committed another act so he could go be put in jail as a woman at the woman's prison. And people finally went crazy. Little worms just itching their way. Nobody knows where they're going. They're just eating up the field. And we're all sitting around going, wow, those are gross. Wow, that's a gross way to think. Wow, that's yucky. But we're not saying anything. We're not doing anything. I mean, the first thing I did was, like, Lynn, I have, have we sprayed the yard. Get somebody out here. We are not having these worms in these two properties. No, I mean, we're on it. See, God wants you to get on it. Stop sitting around and being passive because before you know it, there's going to be somebody that alters this system so bad to meet, it, meet their own need. That's gross. So to the degree that I have personally exalted him above all else in my life, it's directly proportional to the authority that we're going to operate. And see, here's the thing. That's why you're here. You are here to know him and to operate in your authority. Because here's the cool part. I wrote these three things down. The number one thing is that God has delegated authority to you. So let me give you, Mendel gave me a great example today. So she used to work for this doctor. And just think about any doctor. I go to my little lady doctor, and I never see the doctor. I see the thing called the PA. You know what that stands for? The personal assistant. I've never even met the doctor. Been going there, been getting stuff done, nothing. Never seen the doctor. Because the PA is good. She's golden. She's good. I'm happy with that. But she's been delegated. She can write a prescription. But her name's not on the prescription. The doctor who I've never seen is on the prescription as if I've seen him. If I go into the pharmacist and they said, have you seen, if one of the rules was, you, have you seen this doctor? I would have to say, No. I wouldn't. I'd lie and say yes, but because I got to get the meds. No, I'm just kidding. That's delegated authority. She operates underneath the ability to prescribe and plan, do all kinds of stuff, because she's been delegated. That's what. God did for you. You didn't even have to go to a course. All you did was say yes. He didn't even make you get mature. He was so crazy. He said, get saved. Go out and make disciples. Because you know what? He knew in you making disciples, it would disciple you. That's why the enemy wants you to sit on the sidelines, not get involved in people's lives. Sit on the side because because see the enemy knows when you begin to engage and give your life away, and you become not your own. He knew it would change you from the inside out, and so you've been delegated this authority, and this authority is so powerful. I mean, I could read you a million scriptures. Let's let's just read a couple. John 17, it says, my, oh, let's just read it. It's so good. John 17. <clears throat> Where are you? When you have this many scriptures, it's hard to find John. Here we are, John 17. Let's go down, let's read it. Let's read a little ways down, let's see. So, so verse 6, Jesus begins to pray for the disciples. 
it would be really, really good for you to read those previous verses. This is such an amazing prayer. All of it's from Jesus. And let me just read the very first verse. It says, Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son, so that I will magnify your glory. That glory word is a lot in the New Testament, and it's a, it's a word called D-O-X-A. And so let me tell you a little bit about D-O-X-A, can I? Let's hear how you say it. You ready? Doxa. Doxa. I like his voice. <laughs> Listen to what this word is. It's magnificence. It's preeminence. It's dignity. It's majesty. A thing belonging to God. A kingly majesty which belongs to him as supreme ruler. Majesty in the sense of absolute perfection of deity a most glorious exalted state it says it's the condition with god the father in heaven to which christ was raised after he had achieved his work on earth the glorious condition and blessedness into which is appointed and promised to christians that's glory so that's what jesus is talking about here in, in John 17, okay, you with me? Yeah. So I got to jump down because it's, it's, it's really great. But let's look at 8. It says, the very words you gave to me to speak, I have passed on to them. Who's he talking about? The disciples. They have received your words and they carry them in their hearts. That's what made them disciples. So when Jesus said, go make disciples, he said, go and make people who will carry the same message that you're carrying in their hearts the same way you're carrying it. That's what a disciple is. It means that I've learned enough about gazing on him and knowing him and hearing about him that I carry the same passion to love the things Jesus loved, hate the things Jesus hated. Because they're the same as the Father. Are you with me? So they've received my words. Your words is what he said. The Father's words. How did they hear the words? How are you hearing the words? Yes, through me. Through the Holy Spirit. Through mentors. Through opportunities. Right? There's all these ways. That's why, that's why we have no excuse. There's too much truth out there. And so I've received their words. What happens when you receive something? You just throw it on the bed, let the dog chew it up, you own it. You've received it, I hear you, I receive your words, your words mean something to me. That makes him become more and more and more exalted into his proper place of glory. He's already in that place. He's trying to get humanity to see him in the place that he already is. And as humanity sees him in the place he is, humanity looks different and does something different with their authority. When I think my authority's for me, I won't be successful. Because the authority I'm talking about is only authority, authority that is realized by you placing him where he needs to be. And then you can do anything. Then you can do anything. You, can, you have all latitude. You have all permission. Because you are operating under the effects of the Holy Spirit. And you are using those words you've received. And you carry it in your heart. You don't even have to go check the word. So if you're driving down the road, you don't need to look at the driver's manual, right? You know you're supposed to do the little blinker when you change lanes. You cannot do any of that stuff when you drive. You can be cool. You can change lanes without signaling. Nobody, I'm just, I can do this driving thing. I don't need to signal to anybody until you hit somebody. And the police says, well, what happened? Well, you change lanes without signaling, and they hit you. It's your fault. Here's $300. Here's a new car. Your insurance goes up. You see, we can operate any way we want. That should prove to you you have all this freedom. You have the same freedom in the supernatural. You have all this freedom. You can utilize it or you don't have to. 
You can utilize it on you. You can utilize it on sin and sickness. You can utilize it on people or you cannot. You can live your whole life saying, man, I just want to lay low. I just want to lay low. I just want to lay low. I don't want to cause any trouble. Listen, trouble, the worms are coming whether you're laying low or not. They're going to eat up that acreage while you're just laying low, not, not offending anybody. Not setting any boundaries, not protecting anybody. Just lay low. They'll be in the women's prison before you know it. Just lay low. The enemy is advancing. And so if you come to take his territory, you're going to have to get violent in the supernatural. Gear up. And you're going to have to learn how if you don't know how. Or he's going to steal your family. He's going to steal your finances. He's going to steal your job. He's going to steal your car. He's going to steal your peace. He's going to steal your joy. He's going to steal your life. Because he's a stealer. If he's a stealer and you're not advancing to take him out, he's advancing taking you out. He is not relaxed. He has one mission. To accuse you and steal everything you got. I love this. They are convinced that I have come from your presence. And they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I am not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me. Me and you, you and me. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. What's his glory again? Let's read it again. It's the kingly majesty which belongs to him as supreme ruler. It's the majesty in the sense of the absolute perfection of deity. It's the, it is saying that with my life, with my heart, with everything in me, I put him in my in the right position and when i do i am i then receive delegated authority to display his glory to display this majesty that means i'll be put in a place i don't have to say i've come to display the majesty of god no it's done by remembering everybody's name at the bank about working a whole bunch of hours, you don't want to work because you know something good's coming. It's about putting yourself in a position and owning things where? Probably mo- mostly at your job. That's the place of display for you. You start hating on your job. I don't want to work here. I don't like working here. This really wasn't why I had in mind in my life. I didn't really plan to work here. I, I just think I'm here temporarily. I really just thought I'd have a better job. You're just displaying you. You're not displaying any delegated authority. Nobody, you have a reputation. You have a reputation. What is your reputation? That they're going to be a griper. Thank you. I'm going to be a griper. And so nobody's going to come to you when there's sickness. When there's distress. When their life's in shambles. They're not going to be looking your way. They already know what you're bringing. You're not bringing no glory. You're bringing some gripey. You're you're talking about the boss. You're not like the person where when they come and talk about, hey, don't talk about the boss in front of me. See, that was me in school. People would come and talk about the coach or talk about the teacher. And I'd be like, hey, don't talk about them in front of me. Oh, 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 who do you think you are, Miss Goody Two-Shoes? Well, whatever you want to call me, whatever label you want to put on me, you're just not talking about them in front of me. See, when we have delegated authority, we walk in a different way. Let's read another scripture. I don't have time to turn here. I just don't. Let's jump down. John 17, 22. I just pulled this out. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them, so that 
they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. I looked up that word unity and one, and guess what it means? It's amazing. It means one. I mean, the whole entire thing is one, just one thing, one. One is one. One is not two. One is not you and your opinion and your feelings and your want to or not want to. One is one. This is what he said. The very glory you've given to me, I've given to them. Y'all should be way more excited. God made a plan for Jesus to come and he gave you God's glory. This divine, majestic position. He gave it to you. You don't even get, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. It was a package deal. And see, until I realize what that means, it's just a word. It's like hot dogs. It's just a word. See, you are meant to operate with the glory. To do something with the glory. I, again, propose to you, work is a great practice avenue. Practice at work. He gave you, so that he gave you this glory so we can be joined together as one with who? God. What? I needed the glory to get to hook up with God. I couldn't do it on my own. I love this is what the commentary says. It is important to note that the key to unity among believers is experiencing the glory of God that Jesus has imparted to us. That tells me something. Doesn't it tell you something? I could have it and not experience it. What causes me to experience the glory? My awareness that it's in me. How long did you live? None of this stuff is new. This has always been in you. You were just blocked. You just, you're, remember, that's what I was saying, we'll go about Mendel, I don't think I ever finished it, how she said that people, I got on the story about the baton, that's how I forgot to say it, about the Olympics, I got on another story. See, in the Olympics, they didn't practice long enough, and they dropped the baton, and so they lost. And that's what happened in your life. Your family dropped the baton somewhere, and they didn't ever go pick it back up. And so then you came along and said, well, wait, I hear we can be more. And that voice said, no, you can't. No, you can't be more. Isn't it weird to think you're at a ceiling threshold and you're actually laying on the ground? That's a weird feeling. If you've been in the religious spirit, that's, the, that's where you've been. You've been laying on the ground doing absolutely nothing, waiting for God to come through when he said, stand up and do it. And you thought, well, I might hit my noggin. I don't want to stand up. I might hit my head. And then you figure out there is nothing up there. You could have been standing up for 20 years. As one with God through faith in Jesus, he shares his glory with us since we are not another. I didn't even tell him. I was preaching this tonight. But we have been made one with the triune God because of the blood of Jesus. One with God. Do you understand? There's going to be a generation. There's going to be people who rise up and say, I have this power within me and I can actually do something with this power that's beyond just laying on the ground and hoping I can pay the rent. You know, I love this. It was cool. (laughs) I love this authority word. The other thing, the number two thing I wrote down today is that I have to know how to operate with this authority in its fullness with the Holy Spirit. See, it's it's, it's not enough to know you can hear God. You have to obey it. It's not enough to have a vision. You actually have to have an implementation. It's not enough to know you have authority, you have to know how to wield it with the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the transition that we're all in, is we're becoming more aware of what we have possible. There's so much potential in the kingdom. Do you agree? So many possibilities. But how good are we at 
transferring it from its possible potential state to actually fulfillment state, actually display state. We could talk a lot about, well, we're supposed to make disciples, but are you discipling? Can you disciple yourself? If you can't disciple this, you can't disciple this. This won't listen to you when they look at you and it's undiscipled. So the first step in making disciples is making one of myself. And then as that is a habit, you know when you first start praising God when you don't feel like it, it feels weird, doesn't it? Oh, no, right now I should be complaining. That feels so much more comfortable to me recruit somebody. Hey, you know, I've got a horrible day going on here. What do you think? Yeah, me too. Horrible day. I feel cruddy. I don't know what my feels are all out. I mean, I don't know. And it, that's so much funner, right? Then it'd be like, Holy Spirit, thank you for telling me right now what's going on in the name of Jesus. I just proclaim with my mouth that what's going to happen on the earth when I come by. And see, what happens is we're raised by so much fear that we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid to praise. We're afraid to use this authority. We're afraid we're going to mess up. When we mess up, we say, well, I just mess up all the time, so I won't try no more. Right? I should have got a shaker on that. No, it's too late. Now, see, this authority word is excusia, and it's the right to influence. God gave you the authority that gives you the right to influence darkness. And everything that's not operating in its purpose is operating under the lies of darkness, period. Now, y'all probably are not good at that. Because you were just hoping to make it out of the hot place. That was all we, it was big, lofty stuff. Let's just don't go to the hot place. Let's just don't. And did, remember the first time you heard the hot place wasn't even made for you? And you're like, I remember the first time I thought, this whole time I've been afraid of something that wasn't even made for me. That seems weird now. Like, I wasted a lot of energy on the hot place. Anybody, right? The religious spirit in operation right there. Focus over here. Focus over here. Look, 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 look. And we're like, no, I've got to run from that. Okay, let's all run. And then it's over here too. Because it's not, it's not the focus. It's just, that's the same way with sin. Just intersect all the stuff that you're running from. See, when, I run, when I'm running from the fear of something, I never overcome it. No, you need me to say it again. When I'm running from the fear of something, I never overcome it. It keeps multiplying like rabbits, like worms. So it's the right to influence, and it's the privilege to influence. Oh, what a privilege to be a son of the king that gave me the right by his life. Why would I not want to influence darkness? Why would I want to rebel against this loving king? Why would I not want to take all my life and my talent and everything that I love and just offer it to him and say, you may not want me to work at IPS the rest of my life. You might want me to get up on stage and sing some worship songs, so let me lay down what I went to school for and got a degree for and spent a lot of time on and made a really huge salary to come up here and make squat. Because you'll make another way. You'll make another way. You'll just make another way. I would rather be a doorkeeper than make a big salary. I'd rather experience his presence one time than go my whole life and not experience his presence. The other thing that for this authority, the other definition is it's the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to and obeyed by others. This is, this is for darkness, not for people. See, I should, I taught you all this on Sunday. I should be joining up my weaknesses with a partner. I mean, why do I have Lynn as a friend? Because she can do all the numbers. I ain't doing numbers. I ain't done numbers in years. It's not the only reason, but... As, why am I hooking up with her? God gave her, is get work, she's working this prophetic word right now. Why? 
Why are we hooking up with the people? Because their strength is my weakness. I look grand. My weakness is prayer. Pam, I got Pam. It's, it's, my, it, it, it's her strength. When I hook up with her, I'm, I'm the strength for her weakness. That's what happens. That's what he wanted us to do. We're hooked up with him. He's pretty strong. I don't know if you understand that we're under underutilizing under the power of God. It's my point, right? But the but the actual authority that he delegated to me is the power to command darkness to do whatever I want, and it has to submit. It's a law in the kingdom world. In the supernatural world, the enemy has to submit to those who know their authority. But see, the reason why the enemy's not submitting to you and you're running around afraid is because you don't know your authority. So you need to work on why you don't know your authority. You don't know your authority because you haven't spent time with him knowing how he feels about you. You think you're a four. Bye, baby. My third point, and this is my end one. Are you good still? I have to connect the power with the authority. That's dunamis. What does dunamis mean? Strength. Ability. See, I have to, be, I have to understand that God supplies the power. And I have to understand that my ability to position him in my heart where he should be gives me the delegated authority. And when I can put those together in my life, I am unstoppable. See, you're missing one of these three elements. That's why you don't operate in the power and the understanding and the ability and the miracles and the signs and wonders that you want to. It's because you're either missing that you don't understand you're supposed to display the glory. And so you're displaying your your foreness. Or you're missing that you've got this uh, you got this authority that's supposed to be the, the commander of things. So that means when you arrive at something and you see it's not it's darkness, you command it. Yeah. You don't just step aside. You don't just sit down with it. You don't shake hands with it. And see, we're a little bit wimpy in that. You have to discover why you're wimpy. I'm not wimpy. I'm not going to be wimpy. Don't be wimpy. And you've got to understand that you also have this dunamis. When you put those three things together, there's glory, there's authority, and there's power. And those are the things I love. In Isaiah 42, it says this, the four attributes of Jesus' glory, authority, and power. He's a faithful servant who brings light to the nation. He's a chosen servant that brings salvation to the nations to restore. He's an obedient servant who gets to reveal the Father. And he's the suffering servant. What did I tell you suffering means? I'm acquainted what grieves my Father grieves me. I'm suffering because I ache for humanity to know his love. Come on, Mendel. So good. I'm going to echo what you guys are saying. So good. So, so good. It's shaker good, isn't it? Shaker good. (laughs) Well, I think I just want to close up by highlighting again the first point that that Tisa made today when she shared it with me. I just really could feel how powerful of a point it was. And I was thinking about all the practical applications to it. So the degree to which we have exalted him above all else in our lives is directly proportional to the authority and power, I would say, we operate in on earth. So practically speaking, what that looks like is if we approach somebody who's sick, we see somebody who's sick and we think about going, go and going to pray for them, we want God to heal them. Well, if, if I've exalted God, above sickness and in my heart and my mind i believe he is more powerful he is i glorify him i exalt him above the power of sickness then i have power in that area i have authority in that area 
of course, what happens, you know, is we go in and we go, if we actually go up to that person and we, maybe they're surrounded by family members who are non-believers and we know it. And so we think, well, what are those non-believers going to say about me? Well, what are they, what if she doesn't get healed right now in this moment? And then we get intimidated. And so in that moment, we exalt the intimidation above God. And so we just lost our authority and our power in that moment. So it all goes back to the degree to which we have exalted him above all else in our lives. And so, and we've talked about this before, but a lot of times we are where we tolerate operating with fear in our lives at various levels. You know, we'll do it afraid, but we keep, we let, allow the fear to stay. You know, we, we do the right thing, but it's with fear in our hearts. It's that's the behavior modification, all of those types of things. We allow those to stay in our lives. That means that God and that thing that you're afraid of, they're not, God's not really exalted above that thing. So there's all these sort of subtle areas that we are not operating in authority and power in because we are we are allowing ourselves to stay in a mindset that is not exalting him. And so just a, another example, just if you want to go with me on this analogy, um, like Tisa mentioned, I used to work in clinical research. So in clinical research, you've got experimental drugs. In other words, they're illegal. These are illegal drugs. They are not approved for use in the general population, okay? But the doctor has to sign a contract literally with the FDA saying, I take personal responsibility and I will give these medications out and then we'll, we'll do all the testing. He says, I'll take personal responsibility. Now, I work for him and if I'm going to give that medication out, then I would only do that under his delegated authority. Now, he's got authority because he's a physician. He's signed the contract. The government says, we give you permission. We give you authority to hand these medications out. And then he signs a piece of paper that says, I have permission to hand these medications out to people. Okay, if I didn't know that doctor, I wouldn't know if I really had any authority or not. Now, I, I knew the doctor I worked for, so when he signed the paper and I saw his name on there, I knew that I had legal permission to hand this out because I knew him. I, know he, I knew he had proper authority. But if somebody just came up to me and handed me a box of experimental medication and said, don't worry, John Smith down the road who works at the gas station has given you authority to hand these out, I would be questioning whether or not I really had a legal right I would. I may not be practicing clinical research anymore. I might just be a drug dealer if I went with that right. So it's a pretty drastic difference. So do you know the one giving you authority? How much authority do you know that he has makes a, is directly correlated to, it's a directly proportionate to how much authority you know you have. So it ultimately starts with how much we know him and how what how we see him. And of course, this ties together. I'm thinking about the uh, Sunday when we touched on the topic of covenant and when we know we're in covenant with someone. And remember, we talked about in terms of the tribes that um, you wouldn't mess with somebody um, if you knew who they were in covenant with. Okay, so. But if you or if I, so let's say I wanted to confront somebody, well, if I was relying on the power of who I was in covenant with to protect me, okay, I might feel good about confronting them. But if I don't know who I'm in covenant with, I don't really know if they're battle-ready people or if they're just good farmers, I may not feel like I should go out and confront those people because I don't know who I'm in covenant with, really. So knowing who we're in covenant with, knowing who's, who has authority, who has the power? Who really has the authority, has the power? Who is the one with the glory right now in all of these areas has to come first. Otherwise, what he says he gives us is meaningless. If we are still questioning in our minds that he's not bigger than fear or that he's not bigger than sickness, if there's anything in our mind that is still questioning that, then we have a diminished authority that we've received from him because we don't think he has it to give it to us. So again, 
Let's focus on who we're in covenant with. We've got to glorify him in all of these areas because it's directly proportionate to the authority that we operate in. So, Papa, we just want to say thank you for this word, and we thank you for your fine-tuning, and thank you how, you how you just take our heads, you take our little chins, and you turn us to what we need to be looking at so that we can be successful in what you've called us to do and what we in our hearts want to do. So we just say we exalt you today. We exalt you above all things. We exalt you above every aspect of our lives, every thought. And I just say today that and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just highlight for people, that you would give them dreams, that you would highlight for them as they go through their day, that this question, do I exalt God above this situation that I'm seeing? Do I exalt God in this situation? Do I exalt him truly in my heart and in my beliefs in these individual situations? Or am I operating in a compromised view? So Holy Spirit, just show us all the little personalized ways that we can apply this message today. We just thank you for it. We thank you, warrior team, that you are working for us on every angle of every situation in our lives. And so we just thank you and we say we love you, we love you, we love you. And it's your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.